Back whenever I was a junior in high school, I was a busboy over at Don's Seafood Hut. And I can remember it being a very enlightening experience for me because it was kind of my first job. And like, not like, besides like, you know, mowing the neighbor's grass, it was my first real job, earning a minimum wage, being out into the world and experiencing life in that way. And I can remember learning a lot of things in the restaurant business, many things I wish I could forget. But one of them, was, or at least a few of them, were actually kind of good proverbs that have always stuck with me. One of the proverbs was this. It came from an older hostess, somebody a little bit more experienced in life, and she was talking to a young mother. Or maybe she was talking to an... I honestly don't remember. But she was talking to another mother, and she was saying... Whenever your kids are young, they step on your toes. But whenever they get older, they step on your heart. And this is, this is, I think, an, an adage that I think a lot of us have heard. I remember really being shocked by that and being like, how could, this is like kind of rude or mean or like, you know, is this really true? Is this like children just step on people's hearts? But looking at this gospel passage, it seems like that's actually what they're communicating here. What we have in today's gospel passage is an infancy narrative. Now what you see about these infancy narratives is that they don't come from apostles. The apostles weren't there whenever, whenever the infancy narratives were going on, whenever Jesus was a baby. They probably don't come from Joseph, because Joseph probably was deceased by the time this, the gospel of Luke was written. And they probably don't come from Jesus, because if he's anything like me, he doesn't remember these things. But he's probably, most probably, what we read today comes from the very lips of Mary. This narrative was probably given to Luke by the Blessed Virgin. Which means that every word we have here was dictated by her through her own individual perspective. And what's so interesting about that, knowing that and having that in mind, we have here a very interesting line, a line that's kind of sectioned off from the rest of the passage, but a line, I think, that shows a lot about the interior life of Mary. And you yourself, a sword will pierce. And you yourself, a sword will pierce. This is what the prophet Simeon told Mary. Now, what's interesting is Mary could have left this out. She could have not even said, she could have not even relayed this this message to Luke. But it's like she wanted to include this, that you yourself a sword shall shall pierce. So what does it mean? Well, it could mean one of the seven sorrows of Mary or the seven sorrows of Mary. And there's, you know, there's that which are a tradition in the church, such as the the flight to Egypt, the finding of Jesus in the temple. But most probably and most notoriously, probably the crucifixion. At the moment of the crucifixion, of course, Mary's heart was not pierced, but Jesus' heart was by the lance from that Roman soldier, which means, essentially, that Mary, looking on and seeing her children going against her son, experienced a sorrow like no other, experienced a a wound deep down within her heart, and her heart at that moment was pierced by a sword. Now, I think she's relaying that to us, kind of in this prophecy, not so that we could feel bad for her. 
Not so that we can have some kind of pity for the Blessed Virgin Mary. I don't think that's the purpose of this. I think the purpose is a lot deeper. I think what the Blessed Virgin Mary is telling you and telling me is that even if you are a perfect parent, even if you are born without sin, commit no wrong, and live perpetually in the grace of God, and even if you have a perfect son, a son that came straight from God, you still will experience suffering. You still will experience hurt. In a sense, your children will still step on your heart. I'm not saying that Jesus intentionally did this stuff, but by the mission of Christ, it hurt Mary. And she endured it. That's what was so beautiful about Mary. That's what's so beautiful about her strength. This was so so beautiful about what we see is that she shows us that if we really want to be people of love, that if we really want to be people of charity, we need to be ready for pain and we need to be ready for suffering. And that's the only way to do it. I'll give you an example. I'll give you a little quote from C.S. Lewis that shows us the alternative to this pain and suffering. He says this, Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung And possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. In a nutshell, you and I are called to love, and love hurts, even if you're perfect, and even if you love a perfect person. There will still be pain, there will still be sorrow, and there will still be tragedy. But what God and Mary are promising us is that if we can endure that pain, if we can endure that sorrow, we can endure that tragedy and continue to love, then we will not experience damnation. But instead, our reward will be great in heaven.